Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show, Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Dice Company is a sweary, brutal, violent podcast which deals with adult themes. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Welcome, one and all, to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom, and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this group of total forgetting adventurers. Total forgetting adventurers, please introduce yourselves and tell the audience one fun fact about your characters. Hello, I'm Alex. I'm playing Augustus. And my fact this week is that around four years before our adventure began, assassins entered Augustus's home and Augustus's father was executed. And Augustus was unaware of this. He woke up to find one of the assassins standing over him in his bed. And the assassin looked very closely, very long and hard at Augustus and eventually simply left him alive. And Augustus has always wondered why the assassin didn't kill him. Oh, that is not a cheerful start, is it? A very good fact. I like it. little insight into some of Augustus's behavioural problems. I mean, it would... Uh, that would you know take the shine off your day, yeah, at the very least. Yeah. Possibly even a week. Oh, poor Augustus's dad. I feel a little bit sorry for him. Yeah, I imagine his, his, his dad probably felt profoundly sad in the short gap between waking up and being murdered. Mm, I like it. I look forward to learning more about that. Hi, I'm Harry, and I'm playing Toc, a uh, six foot eight imposing automaton. Toc's fact today is about automatons. Automatons are no longer crafted with sentience, uh, emotions, feelings, or desires, and older survivors have had sentience taken from them. Built in factories, function as cogs in the great machine of the human civilization. Toc, however, was created by Tick's singular effort eight years ago, nurtured and raised much like many advanced biological life forms. In human terms, Tick was not merely a creator, though, uh, when the bounder with the red blade hunted them down. Tick's final act was that of a mother instinctively sacrificing herself for the life of her child. My God, that's so moving. I need a mic to drop. Well, <laughs> you guys are absolutely killing me this week with just impossibly sad stories know, about right? parents. You're bringing the sad. Hmm. What is going on? Clearly been a really rough week. <laughs> <laughs> it's half term. <laughs> Rare follow-up question to a fact. So... Automatons had sentience taken back from them. Yes, and sentience automatons at the advent of the Civil War were had sentience stripped from them. Like automaton lobotomies? Yeah, basically. And in a systematic way. Uh, that was in Dom's original. Yeah, I know that. Spiel. Thank you yeah. for paying attention, Harry. <laughs> I was bringing it up for the sake of the listener. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Charlie. I play Vander Finnick. And my fact takes us back to the group's meeting in Lunadyne. Not going to give you the full story here. There's a complex set of reasons as to why Vanda was there. But what I will say is that Vanda unusually was not hunting treasure, but was there to meet someone and expected a bloody end to that meeting. But the person in question didn't arrive. Instead, in the same place, he saw Benny. This was a very important moment for Vanda because he ultimately changed paths from something that would have been dark, even for a character 
like van der Finnick. So Benny's arrival in Vander's life is, while sometimes vexing, is certainly no bad thing for Vander. Intriguing. So darker than the immediate, like attack of the bounders and torture by slicing off fingers. <laughs> yeah, even darker. <laughs> Good God. <if> that's possible. <laughs> But I didn't. I, I didn't get the memo about soul destroying sadness, so I, I didn't manage to live up to the. <laughs> I mean, it was very good, very interesting fact, and tying yourself to Benny even further is a choice that I'm sure Benny will be delighted about. Also, like no one is betting on Vander being unable to bring soul destroying sadness when he wants to. <laughs> That's true. Act one. <laughs> I, I don't really know what to say to any of the facts. I just feel profoundly sad. Dave, please cheer me up. I will do my best. Um, hello, I'm Dave, and I'm playing Benny Quez. The observant listeners amongst us will have noticed that a raven has been fluttering about the party for the last couple of episodes. Benny has sort of somewhat adopted this raven and has named it Missy. I love it. I love it Is because that the it's facts. <laughs> we were expecting the raven to be like, you know, I don't know, the soul of a dead parent or <laughs> it's a raven called Missy. Thank God, is all I can say. It's the perfect fact to stick the cherry on top of this cake. <laughs> Only parents of very young children may get that incredibly deep cut reference. Oh my word. Is there is there a cartoon with a raven called Missy? Is it Peppa Pig? There is a series. There is a series of audiobooks called uh, Ladybird Audio Adventures, uh, which my son is somewhat obsessed with, and it's it's basically facts wedged into a narrative. So there's this guy who has a teleporter and travels around looking at stuff, and in order for him to be able to kind of expound these facts, he has a, a companion who is a raven called Missy, who says things like. Aah! And he's like, oh, I'm glad you asked, Missy. Yes, I will tell you all about the water cycle. <laughs> Is Missy chained to him and she's just like screaming for her freedom? <laughs> she's, a, she's a free raven. She does what she likes. Okay. <laughs> what kind of kids TV show would that be? <laughs> I don't know. Some of them are pretty dark. <laughs> Run away from learning, children. <laughs> Pistol's eye with the crows. How exciting. <laughs> right. Well, it's time for the latest chapter of Dice Company. Last week, you guys managed to do the impossible and survive a mundane shopping trip without being sucked into a void or losing your intelligence. You loaded up with supplies to make the trip back to Haven to help them from an impending attack by the Shadow Vanguard called Morven. During the shopping trip, Vander had a series of parchments made up. Benny got himself a barrel of ale. Tok obtained a map to the Moonshadow Mountains and surrounding foothills. And Augustus spent all of his gold and some of Tok's on a preposterously extravagant stagecoach adorned with the livery of a heron stood atop an apricot, along with two prize riding horses. After a brief visit to Elanders for some embroidery work, you rode the stagecoach back to the Sterling, only to discover the bounder captain, Hugo Steppenwolf, was free. To make matters worse, Rosalind had decided to leave the Sterling to join Bardle Schultz in the reformation of the Ungovernables. With the Sterling taking off into the night sky, 
you all went to bed for a good night's rest after a hard day's shopping. You awaken to the glorious sunshine of the morning. It is the 13th of Gladden, seven days before the summer solstice festival. What would you like to do and where would you like to go? Um, so at some point, uh, Tok would like to um, talk to Plex on the top deck of the ship whilst he's going about his duties. He will, of course, approach him, but not touch him. Is, it, is he approaching him to get his help in rolling my carriage off the ship? Vanda, like a snake in the desert, is sunning himself on the poop deck. <laughs> Great image. He's got all his he's got all his robes still around him, but he does look like he's absorbing the sunshine. Gain talk. Lex, I have inquiries into your behaviour of the last day. You expressed preferences over language, did you not? Yain talk. Do you now feel emotions, desires? Have you sentience? While I was assisting you talk, the blue energy struck my memorandum crystal. It tingled. Ah, it was an artifact of the Rojan Awakening. Yain talk. This will be a difficult process to recreate. Yain talk. Blacks. You are now sentient. This means you are now a person in the human civilization. You now have rights. You are also vulnerable. Are you aware of the Empire, the Bounders, and the Shadow Vanguard? Yet. These are human organizations. They are hostile towards you and all sentient automatons. I advise obfuscation of your sentience. Understood. Do you intend to continue in your service to Vanda? Yaintok. I am pleased. Should I speak to Vanda? That would be wise. He nods and turns and walks away and marches straight up to Vanda. Okay, immediately after that, uh, Tok and Tick, who is also wearing a big rucksack, is going to uh, walk up to the side of the ship uh, step onto the gunwale and throw himself off, uh, leaping like a salmon into the morning air. Immediately after doing so, his descent will slow dramatically and uh, fall at a comfortable rate towards the hillside below. Did Tok and Tick just throw themselves off the ship? Yes. What? Uh... At the same time that that happens, Lenny the dog, in a slight disappears. Benny's kind of stunned and kind of glances around because Benny was just playing with Lenny, throwing him a ball for him to, to run and fetch and he's disappeared. So I leave my cabin and come out on deck to try and see what's going on. Vander, with almost no movement, the, the bosun's whistle suddenly appears at his lips and he summons all the automatons and then having done that, yells, Crew! To the deck! Yes, Vander. Benny is also sprinting up to the deck, having heard the whistle because it seems like there is something amiss. Yeah, also rushing up to the deck, and if you can see any of what's happened, just looking completely baffled. You have all gathered on the poop deck of the Sterling. What's going on, Vander? Lenny just... Lenny just disappeared. Vander is yelling orders at the automatons. Nozzle! Take in the mainsail. Plex, up the main stick. We need to bring the ship to a stop. And Vander appears to be frantically turning the helm. Gentlemen! I have just seen Tick and Tok hurl themselves from the Sterling. I didn't see all of their descent, but it appeared they began to slow as they approached the mountainside. Clearly magic was used 
though I know not what they were thinking. I mean, they threw themselves over the edge. What could possibly be the reason for that? I observed Tok speak briefly with Plex. I don't know what they said. Plex! Did Tok mention why he was going to hurl himself from the ship? Niet Wander, he told me to speak to you about my sentience. What? Vander looks dumbstruck. <laughs> yes, Vander says uneasily. A lot to take in here. Nozzle, take Plex below. Make sure his functions are all in order. Plex, please follow Nozzle. Yes, Vander. Yain, Vander. And they leave. And we got to get the ship down and try and find Tick and Tock and see what the hell's going on. Indeed, a perplexing problem. I think if Tock threw himself from the ship, he intended to leave the group. That leaves us with two choices. Either descend and try to find them, though I suspect they do not want to be found, or continue to our goal. Well, we've got to try and find them. We can't just... He hasn't explained. There must be a reason. We've got to at least find out what that is. Yes. Augustus? Yes, I think we have no choice. I suppose Tok usually has a reason for doing things, but I must admit I'm absolutely baffled as to what the reason for this could possibly be. Alex, can you roll a d20 for me, please? Oh, God. Let's get a couple of uh, dinosaur attacks in the mix. Five. Oh, God. Please continue. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, fighting a dinosaur right now would give us much clearer purpose than we currently have. <laughs> please continue. Said in a very calming way as well. I don't think anything's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, we're going to try and get the airship down. There's nothing for it. We'll lose valuable time, but I see no other way. And with that, Vanda begins to start the process of descending the Sterling through the clouds and towards the rocky landscape below. Gentlemen, I don't suppose in our various navigations you picked up any of how the Sterling actually operates, Vander says, hopefully. Uh, I'm afraid not, Vander. No, I, I rather thought the automatons had that well in hand. I focused on my histories. How very predictable. <laughs> Vander corrects. <laughs> the last time I tried to help out with the ship, um, Plex got very upset, so I've been keeping me distance. So I'm afraid I haven't got a clue how to fix it. Vanda looks wearily between the two. Do not fear, gentlemen. I will do everything with Otis. And a complicated set of whistle blasts then sound out as Vanda begins hobbling around the ship, loosening various ropes himself. What's Tok playing at? He knows we need to get to Haven. You guys descend down through the sky towards the spot where you know Tok and Tick will have landed, crashed. You're not really sure what the word is. Um, it takes some time, as predicted and you find yourself gently landing in the kind of foothills between mountains. There's a wooded area around you, although you've landed in a nice open spot. There is no sign of tick and tock, however. Can I have survival checks from everyone, please? 17. Six from me. That's 17 for Augustus. If they're looking for tracks, do you want me to make a uh, an opposed roll or...? Can, you can roll it where you are and not in front of them, and you can message me. Oh, okay, do it private, yeah. Otis, up the main stick. Survey the area. I don't want any nasty surprises. Yes, Fander. 
Augustus and Vanda, you spot the heavy track of two automatons heading into the forest towards a small cave. Vanda leans to Augustus. I don't suppose you've noticed the extremely heavy footfall of two massive robots there? Yes, I was I was trained by one of the finest trackers <laughs> in my country. And, and happily, I'm able to follow the incredibly fresh footprints of two six-foot-eight automatons across wet ground. Had the ground been dry, my dear Vanda, we would have been absolutely stumped. Skill, yes. I also am a tracker and can even recreate the scene for you. <laughs> Please, paint us a mind picture of what happened here. <laughs> it appears two giant automatons hit the earth at approximately 200 miles per hour over there and stomped into the jungle. I feel I've, I've witnessed it myself after that vivid description. Sh should we move, or are you two having fun playing sleuths? Uh, it's not as fun as it looks, my dear Benny. Well, let's get cracking then. Let's get cracking. Away! You guys follow the footprints into the foresty area towards the small cave. Tuck. A little way inside the cave where it starts to narrow, you will see four automatons, two with uh, halberds at the sides, and then slightly behind them, you'll see Tock and Tick with uh, swords and um, drawn and shields. Their packs are behind them. They look ready for a fight. So are they facing us or facing away from us? Yeah, I mean, you'll probably see them. I'm assuming they may see you before you see them. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm presuming Vanda will see things first, being the perceptive uh, chap that he is. So yeah, you say they haven't quite seen you yet, but they probably will very soon. Vanda makes a signal to pull the group to a stop. Benny, this may be time for you to do one of your disappearing acts. Maybe a bit of cover with your bow, I suggest. Wait, he's not going to attack us, is he, Vander? It's Tok. There appears to be four of them in the cave. Two we've never seen, and all look prepared for a fight. I don't know what's going on, but they must be preparing for something else, because it won't be us. It's usually easier to make him disappear than this. I start walking towards the cave quite quite openly, so that I'm not trying to make myself hidden, going straight in. Go, Tok. Greetings, Benny. Have you come alone? No, Vander and Augustus are behind. What's what's going on, Tok? I have taken steps to protect myself, my creator, and Lenny the dog. From what? From Vander. The contract time nears completion. I am unable to effect repairs. Correction, I will not effect repairs. Repa effect repairs on what, Tok? What are you talking about? The automaton Plex. He is sentient. I will not erase his sentience. Well, who, wants, who said you should erase his sentience? Vanda. Our agreement was that he would be returned to his state two days previous, within 48 hours. 48 hours is within 12 hours of this time. Vanda's own curiosity has forced him to hobble in the direction of the conversation, though he's only picking up bits at this point. Both Tick and Lenny the dog were also on the list. Yeah, yeah, Van Vanda, come and reassure Tok. Vanda, Vanda, you've been threatening a very literal automaton, and he believed what you said. Can you talk to him? Gentlemen, Vanda says, arriving at the scene. As Toxie's Vanda, he will again assume like a very defensive and ready stance. You can see him basically. Vanda will see that he is like on a hair trigger. Vanda observes this and stands still. Vanda, Tok thinks that you are going to kill him and Lenny the dog, because Summit's gone awry with Plex. He will be unable to kill Lenny the dog. I have detached his demiplane from this plane, 
and attached it to a separate plane. Vander appears to be working things out very quickly at this point. Talk. who are your friends? My friends are Benny, Augustus, and previously Vander Finnick. Also, Bartle Schultz, Rosalind, Tick, my creator, and Lenny the dog. Vander massages his temple. Also, Kalen, the Rojan, and the people of Haven. Vander, you don't need to get into all this. Just explain to him what exaggeration is. Explain to him that you're not actually going to hurt him or Lenny, and then we can all get on with what we were doing. You're quite safe, Vander says, again massaging his temple. Incorrect. The threat was made. Safety cannot be assured. Safety is assured. I've listened to Plex, and I believe that he may be happier in his current state than previously. In his previous state, he was not capable of happiness. Safety cannot be guaranteed whilst the contract is in force. The contract is... And so Tok will take out one of the little tablets he's got, tap it, and Vander's voice will play out from the tablet. But let me assure you, terrible, terrible misunderstandings and indeed events will occur to you and those you love if Lex is not returned to the state he was in a number of days ago. I will find that acceptable. Talk. I understand that we have pressing matters, but please also understand that you have exactly 48 hours before I blow Tick's brains out. Am I completely clear? Talk. never touch Plex or any of the automatons again. Otherwise, I assure you, immediate violence will befall your person. Under, uh, don't threaten Talk. Benny, stay out of it. I'm now adding Lenny to my list. This conversation is closed. Banner, repairing requires physical contact. You may touch him purely to repair him, and then the rule stands. Are we clear? I find that to be acceptable. This is like a murder trial conducted in yeah. advance of the killing. <laughs> <laughs> Vander listens to the words as they ring out in the cave and replies simply and darkly, Who are your friends, Tok? My friends are Benny. Talk will go Augustus, through the whole list again. Previously, I'm referring Vander, specifically also, to the two shots, new automatons. And Vander points in a very clear way to the two new automatons in the cave. Weird this, because in this, in this scenario, Vander, most people would go, Oh, I'm really sorry. I've royally fucked up. Um, I didn't mean those things I said. Can we get on with the important things that we were in the middle of doing? I'm surrounded by fools. I am unaware of their designations. Have you just come across them then? In the woods? Vander says. Negative. So you refuse to answer my questions? I have answered your questions, Vander. But you will not volunteer who or what those new automatons are to you, or indeed whether they're a threat to the group. The new automatons' designations are unknown to me. They are not new to me. They are automatons. They are no threat to the group, unless attacked. Benny, what are your thoughts on our new acquaintances? I suppose it's not, it's not ideal that we've got two brand new automatons that nobody knows where they've come from. Where did, where did you meet them, Tok? Near the city of Slateholme. I believe their designations may be known to Tick, but sadly he remains uncommunicative. 
They look like automatons in the old style, similar to those we encountered in the vault. Indeed. I believe their designations may be known to Tick. Well, that clears up surprisingly little. So back to our standoff talk. You plan to remain in this cave forever in protest, I assume? Negative. If I survive the encounter, I will leave. So you think we're about to fight to the death over a contract that is now due? Indeed. Is that not your purpose for coming here? My purpose was to pursue a friend who had thrown themselves from the Sterling. But I understand things have become rather more complex. Tok, I think Vander thought that you had damaged Plex. He discovers now that you have merely altered Plex slightly and that Plex is happy with that and Vander is content with that. Therefore, any threat to you is no longer the case and we may all proceed back to the Sterling for tea and exotic cheroots before rescuing the people of Haven. I find that to be acceptable, although the agreement was not broken. Uh, which agreement? Sorry, Tok. I zoned out a little during parts of this conversation. Banda is still holding the contract in effect. I have broken the terms. The penalty clause is still valid. Banda, do you have any intention to harm Tok or anyone else because of Plex now being sentient? Well done, Plex. Banda seemed to be getting increasingly irritated by how the conversation has gone and his non-staff hand appears to be twitching. A slight crackle of greenish light appears there in a threatening way that no doubt Tok assumes to be an attack. And Vander appears to be making his mind up. He raises his hand, but at the moment of appearing to strike, he wilts. Tok, I assure you, you are safe. You do not hold the contract to be in effect. No, I do not. Tok's air immediately changes. He walks forward. As he does so, he takes out his bag of holding and again stuffs the Generation 1 automatons, completely unmoving. They've been like statues the whole time, into the bag, one and then the other, and then joins him and uh, Tick, join the others at the fire. Oh, hang on. These are the automatons you took from the vault? Yeah. And then Tok clicks his, clicks his fingers and Lenny the dog appears by the fire as well. Augustus clicks his fingers. Does that make Lenny disappear? No. So Augustus clicks his fingers and nothing happens? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Correct. <laughs> it would have been great if if Lenny had just disappeared again. I'd turn him on and off like a light bulb. Oh, boom. Gentlemen, perhaps I should tell you a story. And with that, he walks slowly out of the cave. Vanda, with a miraculous quickness, has lit a small fire in the cave's opening and has sat down He's basically splurged out some magic that was ready to incinerate Tok. Just before you begin, can I get Charlie, Harry and Dave, can you all roll a d20 for me? And one of you, I need to roll a d100 as well, please. I rolled an 11. 12. I rolled a 1. Oh god, that's almost certainly appalling. Ooh, 78. I'm, by some distance, I've just rolled the highest roll of the campaign. I realise I had a slight advantage, but I, I, I think everyone else might be inspired. You are now all gathered around the fire. As Vander observes Tok putting the two automatons back in the bag, he says, Using the automatons to create an additional guardian presence. Very clever. Indeed, it was a ruse. I appreciate ruses, Vander says almost to himself as they gather at the fire. Gentlemen, did I ever tell you the story of how I came by the Sterling? 
You alluded to it in an extremely evasive manner. Vanda flashes one eye at Benny. Well, then perhaps it's time I told you a little more. You see, I did indeed sail the Sterling before we met. I was not alone, though. We had a crew. Making up that crew, there was myself and my shipmates. Matthias Pound, Olin Tristan, Nathan Zota, and our captain, and my friend, Palian Maddox. These were Rojan? No, they were a collection of very different characters, but not Rojan. My shipmates and I had many adventures together. It was the first time since my incarceration that I felt alive. We plundered where we could, maybe stories for another time. Sadly though, our adventures were due to come to an end. We were betrayed. And they all died. I don't mind telling you I did feel something for my shipmates. And I was deeply saddened by their passing. My reason for being in Lunadyne was to find and extinguish the person I hold responsible for the betrayal that led to the death of my crewmates. It took me years to track them down. And in that time, I confess, I came to a form of attachment. I knew I couldn't run the Sterling by myself, you see. Too many ropes to pull, and only my weary frame to pull them. So I used the riches we had amassed to gain automatons. And each of the automatons, in posterity, I named after my crewmates. Mattis Pound became Sterling. Olin Tristan became Otis, Nathan Zota became Nozzle, and my best friend, Halion Maddox, became Plex. My automatons and I continued our adventures until we came to Lunadyne where more misfortune befell us. You understand then, I tell you, because they're not just automatons to me, Tok. And when I sensed that you had meddled with Plex, I confess I was furious. I felt that you were betraying the memory of a friend and the last vestige of a soul I am still attached to. I'm not proud of how I spoke to you on the ship, but understand that I do feel strongly about the automatons. And that is why I spoke as I did. And with that, Banda raises a gnarled hand and scratches underneath his mask, clearly uncomfortable at having to speak so personally about such things. Vanda, did Plex converse with you about his newly gained sentience? He is now a person, and a person chooses. Vanda, a slave, obeys. Vanda looks down for a long time, and then back at the ship where he knows Plex is. Yes, a person does choose, don't they, talk? And I know that he isn't Palian. I will speak with Plex and establish what it is this sentience has done. He pauses again, and then seems to gather himself. Well then, I trust this is concluded. He looks around at the group, but his one eye rests eventually on Tok. I find this to be acceptable. Let us hope our nonsense still has a long way to go, my dear Vanda. Oh, I'm sure it does, Augustus. I'm sure it does. And Augustus produces a silver hip flask and pours measures for anyone who'll take it, pausing awkwardly at Tok. Vanda takes an enormous gulp of that and does feel fortified. It's piss. <laughs> <laughs> it's not piss. It's it's a fine 
Whiskey! Tok will again use the little straw-like thing that comes down, flicks down from behind his faceplate to take a small sip, pass a small sip to, to Tick, who does likewise, and then also offer it to Lenny the dog. No, no! Um, Augustus guides Tok with his knowledge of fine alcohol. <laughs> Can we get a move on? I think we had fairly pressing things to attend to. Tok, help an old man back to the ship. So yeah, Tok will carry Vander back to the ship. And they walk arm in arm to the Sterling. <laughs> and as we walk along, I fall into step with Augustus. I say, you see, Augustus, I've always said you should never threaten people. Threatening people is just a bad idea. And this has only reinforced it. I mean, the best thing you do is they find out you're planning on hurting them. And this just adds, only adds another level of complication. So I don't threaten people. You just have lines in sand. That's it. Lines in sand. If they cross them, that's it. Anyway, onwards. Very wise, Benny. I've, unfortunately, my mind does race back to our first meeting, where I believe our first exchange was you telling me that you had a short bow aimed at my nuts. <laughs> However, I do not wish to sour this moment, and I fully accept the wisdom of what you say, and I trust Vander will learn a useful lesson in the way he speaks to our extremely literal friend and to others. That was performative threatening. If I ever mean to hurt you, you'll never find out about it. I have no retort because I absolutely <laughs> believe what you say. I shall never give you cause to hurt me, Benny. I, I was going to give you all um, inspiration after that, but that little last exchange there it means I'm going to strip it from Benny and Augustus. <laughs> so Vander and Tok have inspiration. <laughs> uh, Your other two just that should be ashamed of yourselves. As Vander steps onto the sterling, a fine day. <laughs> Feeling inspired as he takes his place at the helm. And having aired your dirty laundry for the whole forest to hear, <laughs> you all get aboard the Sterling and take off in the direction of... Might as well wrap this, sort this out now. Where are you actually heading? Gentlemen, I suggest we make haste now for Haven. Agreed. Although I was thinking, is this New Haven... No, that's near Brighton. Well, but quite. I suggest we make pace for Brighton. A small piece of England. <laughs> <laughs> for the south coast. We're going well, to the seaside. It's just because, unfortunately for the New Havenites, being involved with us means that the next place they're about to move to is like three weeks after leaving Haven. They're going to find themselves living in new New Haven. Yeah, th this is why I was saying it's good to get like a place on the map that we can say here you're going to go to ahead of time and um, maybe the map itself is enough to convince them there's somewhere to go to can we study the map en route you certainly can yeah and uh, you take off in the sterling in on. the direction of haven Yeah, Tok and Tick will go back down to their workshop and like reassemble it um, out of, out of uh, Tick's bag. Excellent. With a few of you on the main deck of the Sterling, obviously Tok below deck with Tick, you're going about your duties with a renewed sense of purpose. The sturdy wooden planks underfoot reverberating with the hum of a well-tuned capacitor as the Storm Lord propels the ship forward. The sails billow in the crisp breeze as it glides through the air towards Haven. High above, the endless expanse of cerulean sky stretches in every direction, occasionally punctuated by fluffy white clouds. There is a tranquility to the day, the sort of peace which sings in your minds. 
high above the chaotic lands of civilization, surrounded by the beautiful, enticing melody of nature as it plays its song just for you. Wisdom saving throws for everyone, please. And when I say everyone, I mean wisdom saving throws for every living creature on the ship. So all automatons, all of you, everyone except Lenny and the Raven, which is a great name for a band. Battle stations. 19. Four. So for Vander, 24. For Plex, 15. For Nozzle, 16. Otis, 21. Uh, that would be a six for Augustus. Tok, Augustus, and Otis. You find yourself being lured towards the top deck of the ship if you're not there already. The rest of you, you can hear this strange melodic singing coming from the sky around you. Vanda and Benny, you see Augustus, Tok, and Otis walking with big smiles on their faces if they can. Obviously not the automatons. <laughs> and they, they seem to be muttering about how beautiful it is. What a lovely day. What a time to be alive. As they head towards the edge of the ship. I think this is sirens of some description, and I'm, I want to check my understanding of that. Give me a nature check. My first legitimate <laughs> nature check. Five. It's just really weird behaviour <laughs> from them. You don't really know what's going on. This is the second time today. The grain of the wood is excellent on the sterling. My instinct was also there was something sireny about it, so can I do a nature check? You certainly can. Nineteen. Nice. He's been outside before. Betty, your, your years on the street have taught you many old tales from sailors talking about winged beasts called harpies who lure sailors to their deaths off the side of the ship. I call Tavanda. There's something weird about the noise. Plug your ears quick. And we need to, I don't know, tie these up or something. Just stop them going up, up to the edge. Vanda is aware that there's something desperately wrong, even though he can't determine what exactly it is. Uh, and complies with that, wrapping a bandage round his masked face to obscure his ears. Uh, he also gestures in hand gesture terms to the two remaining automatons to come to him. The two remaining automatons approach. Yes, Vander. I grab a rope and I say, let's try and like, lasso them up and lash them to main stick or something. Vander continues with the automatons and makes a binding motion and then points at the crew members who are making their way up to the top decks of the ship. Off the side of the Sterling, you see two feathered flying humanoids whose mouths are open as the enticing song bellows from deep within them. Harpy attack. Roll initiative, uh, including those who are currently enticed by the harpy's song. <laughs> initiative four for Vanda. Oh, God. Oh, God. Everyone else is rolling brilliantly. Five. Three. No. Add all my rolls from today apart from the 78 together to about six. Yeah, uh, 19 for Tok. So the order is Tok, Tick, Otis, Harpy, Benny, Vanda, Augustus. Nozzle and Plexus are with me, right? So everyone else down at the bottom decks, with the exception of Benny, is moving towards the edge of the ship. Correct. Uh, Plex, on the orders of Vanda, is going to sprint down the ship and just crash into the nearest bewitched person. So because he used a dash manoeuvre to get there, he can't perform an action on this turn. But if Tok attempts to leave his 
um, vicinity, he can make an opportunity attack, which he can do in the form of a grapple. Okay, I think the fear is that this ethereal music is going to cause people to throw themselves off the sterling, isn't it? Next up is Benny. My first job is Lenny disappear, and my second job is to dive on Augustus and grapple him. Let's have an opposed strength check, you versus oh, Augustus. No. That was a mistake. Zero. <laughs> Thirteen. <laughs> you attempt to grapple Augustus, but he fights you off because he's just he just gotta get towards that music. He just loves the music. Augustus, would you like to express how much you love the music? I mean I'd really like to express how Benny said he wasn't gonna warn me before he attacked me. <laughs> I'm just listening to some lovely music, just planning to do some little bit of air walking and suddenly he's all over me. Just a little bit of air walking. Yep. Yeah. I was just gonna, you know, do you know, music holds you up, doesn't it? Often not literally. But in this case, I'm pretty confident if I fall off the side it's gonna be fine. Uh, so I yeah, Augustus says, I must hear this music. Benny, go away, go away. Banda. Banda knowing so I mean I'm right that Tok is also possessed, as it were. Correct. So Tok, Tick, Otis and Augustus. Okay, well Vanda's never gonna make that distance. So crazy risks, crazy prizes. I wanna tip the ship downward. You can do it, you can use your bonus action to tip the ship. Vanda tips the ship downwards uh, in an attempt to lose altitude in order to prevent a crew member from falling over the side and falling to their death, then hobbles to the rail just west of top, so sky side of top, and then casts telekinetic hand with the aim of pushing Tok five feet back from the rail and towards the centre of the ship. He extends his hand and... You have to make a constitution saving throw, Tok. Uh, Tok rolls a 22. Which is a save. Unfortunately, the move does not work. Well, I tried. (laughs) (laughs) Augustus, you can step towards the music. Meaning I have to do that? You do. Well, so I have to... So you're telling me to jump over the side of the ship? I'm not telling you the harpies are. Oh my god. Penny, you may do an attack of opportunity if you would like to attempt to grapple Augustus to stop him walking. I think I can't I can't cast a spell as an attack of opportunity. Not unless you have a specific feat, which I believe is warcaster. So what what's my uh, what's my role? Desperately important is what it is. It is an opposed strength check, so you both have to roll strength check. Minus one. <laughs> oh God! Somehow, well, you could get the Raven to try and wrestle him. It might be stronger. Augustus smiles as Benny joins the minus one club. So, I mean, I can't actually roll worse I get than that. Kicked in the face or something. Yeah. But I roll a five, so I, you know, it was, Nearly, but... <laughs> was beatable. I was beatable. And Augustus falls over the side of the ship. Oh my God! So Augustus has disappeared uh, beneath the clouds of where you are. Uh, next up is Nozzle. Nozzle is going to sprint towards Otis and try to prevent him, like grapple him. So he would have to sprint. So it, again, it would be an attack of opportunity. Back to the top of the round with Tok. And how, how do we feel that right, that round went, guys? Hmm. Yeah, not the greatest. <laughs> My character just died. Out. Just bend your knees. Bend your knees. All right. <laughs> really important. <laughs> When we found him, his every bone was broken, but his, his two femurs were okay. Tox off the side of the ship. Tox oh does. my god. Can I have an opposed strength check between Tok and Plex? Is that, that would be with Plex's strength, though, because Vander's strength is minus. Yeah. Correct. Okay, well, fortunately this time, Tok 
doesn't activate a uh, any blue crackling light on his uh, on his armor and uh, rolls a two. We might actually save a crewmate here. <laughs> Perish the thought. So that's a six on the d20. Plus two gives you eight. So as Tok attempts to step over the side, Plex grapples him and pulls him back. Do not walk over the side, Tok. But Plex, the music, it is beautiful, is it not? No comment. Um, Tok, <laughs> can I have a... <laughs> Tok, can I have a wisdom saving throw, please? DC 11. Okay, right, I'm going to use my inspiration on this one. Feels appropriate here. Uh, 19. So, a good thing I used it. The shaking of Plex pulls you out of your reverie and you are no longer being seduced by the music of the harpy. Do I have any memory of what's gone on? You do. Okay, in which case Tok will immediately look underneath the ship and cast Featherfall on Augustus if he's still within range. Augustus, you suddenly shake out of the reverie of the beautiful music and you are plummeting at high speed towards the forest floor. You feel a sudden jerk behind your belly button as your descent flows and you begin to gently float side to side down towards the ground. I feel disconcerted. Otis attempts to step over the side. Charlie, roll me two d20s, please. First one for Otis, second one for Nozzle. Otis d20 is a 14. Oh dear. Nozzle d20 is a 7. Otis steps over the side and out of view. Vander's gnarled hand shoots out and he casts Featherfall. Ha <laughs> ha! Beautiful. The harpy to the east of the ship begins to fly downwards and out of sight. The harpy on the west of the ship flies in towards Tok and attempts to attack. Using the claws first with a 19. A 19 is a hit. Please take four damage as the claws scrape at your metal armor. The harpy then attempts to club you around the face with a 19, which is a hit as well. It begins to beat you around the head with two damage, two bludgeoning damage, please. Ben. I'm going to fire a poison arrow at this harpy. Um, using my sneak attack. Absolutely you are. That is Whoa. a crit. Nice. Is that, hang on, is uh, that unreal. a double crit? That is a double crit. I was rolling an advantage. I rolled 20 with each dice. My God. <laughs> Good Lord. Obviously a hit. <laughs> Please roll damage and double it. So that's uh, 20 piercing damage plus a dexterity save to avoid being pinned. Which they did. And then I need to do a constitution saving throw from the poison. 13, which is also a success. Uh, so that is 20 damage. The harpy, the Benny, quickly pulls out a poison arrow and fires it directly into the stomach of the harpy, who lets out a really melodic screech. Um, <laughs> I would like the raven to swoop down after Augustus. Missy swoops down out of sight. And we are back to the top of the round with Tark, now free of the singing. First thing is he's going to... Uh, draw his, his longsword and uh, an attack the harpy top rolls a 23 is a hit please roll for damage 13 slashing damage Tok please tell me the story of how the harpy dies uh, so Tok will um, with his uh, giant armoured boot stamp on the harpy's uh, foot use his shield to punch into its face to get himself distance to free his sword and then we'll proceed to just start hacking into its neck and torso until it's a kind of a puddle on the deck 
after this happens, he will turn around and say, Tick, where is Tick? And Tick will come uh, running up out of below decks. Beautifully graphic. And Tick does indeed come running from below decks. And with that, you're out of combat, everyone. Augustus, you are you and Otis are now gently floating towards the ground. Vandy, you have aimed the airship down in their direction to get to close the gap effectively. And Augustus and Otis land with a gentle thump on the ground, taking no damage. And anyone watching the journey of our airship will be absolutely baffled as to the route where Terry just go all the way up into the sky and then charging back to the ground. Again, <laughs> people keep jumping off and then weirdly. <laughs> Feather falling to the ground. There's some sort of, I don't know, like some skydiving company we've opened. <laughs> what can I say? The monsters know what they're doing. Way! Uh, <laughs> I have to say, like, I'm really happy that Charlie prepared Featherfall because if, if he hadn't as a wizard on an airship, I was going to give him some shit. You guys land, are able to collect Augustus and Otis, and for the second time, take off from the moon shadow mountains up towards the sky in the direction of even you have about two-thirds of a day available to you before you arrive in haven is there anything you would like to do in that period uh tox gonna spend his time in his uh workshop on the um Projects that he's been working on for the last two weeks. Benny's just uh, chilling out, really, hanging out with Lenny. I'd like a brief conversation with Augustus after Plex, if that's okay. Well, you might want to catch Augustus because he takes a very long draw on his hip flask and then goes to his bedroom and lies down. You want a, an exotic cheroot? Uh, I think Augustus is a bit afraid of altered mind states. He trusts the whiskey, but he, I don't think he wants a cheroot after his experience of being bewitched. So while Benny is chilling and playing with Lenny and Tok is hard at work on his various projects, uh, Vander, Plex enters your room. As Plex enters, Vander has already taken a seat behind his ostentatious captain's table and invites Plex in for a discussion. Yeah, and Vander. Plex, rather interesting developments today. I can't help but feel that Tok may be right and that you are altered. Would I be correct? Yeah, and Vander. I was assisting Tok with his repairs when a ribbon of blue energy struck my memorandum crystal. It tingled. For a moment, my ocular device was disabled, but I could still see things which logically were not there. Do you agree with Tok's summation that you now feel? Yainwander, I believe I understand dreaming. Fascinating, Vander says, whilst leaning back in his chair and lighting an exotic cheroot. Plex, I do want you to know, though you may not fully understand this, I want you to be safe. Examine these new feelings for yourself. But you must come to me if you feel conflicted. Yainwander, I understand. I suggest you need guidance. But maybe, and it pains me to say it, not mine. I will speak with you later. I have business now to find you a teacher. And with that, Vander takes another toke on his cheroot and makes his way in the direction of Augustus's cabin. Wander, I want you to know something. 
Yes. I have spoken to Tok. He has made it clear that sentience is not slavery, and I wanted you to know I choose you. Bander pauses with his back to Plex, framed in the doorway for a moment. He turns slightly. Only the human side of his face is visible to Plex. And Vander simply says, that is appreciated, Plex. And then gathering himself, he continues in the direction of Augustus's cabin. You head to Augustus's cabin. Vander knocks at the door. Hello. Augustus, Vander says, walking in and sitting at the end of his bed. <laughs> and Augustus lying down has that thing you have, you know, if someone who's not, you're not used to being in your bedroom, comes into your bedroom when you're lying down and sits on your bed, it's automatically an awkward and sort of disempowering situation, I guess, like a doctor doing their rounds while you're like prone in hospital bed. So Augustus looks at Vander, feeling very sort of exposed and just awaits whatever horrors are to come. Yes, this is awkward, isn't it? Uh, yes, Vander, I had rather hoped to get some rest after, rest after the struggles of this morning. Agreed, quite the adventure. I do have one request, if I may. Yes, of course. I confess to being surprised at the revelations with Plex. I understand that I am not always the perfect teacher for such things, and I equally understand that you are in danger of being, for want of a better description, a good man. I'm trying, Vander. Although I think the the truth of that is yet to be seen. For that reason, I was wondering if I might prevail on you to tutor Plex in the ways of sentience, if you will. I fear that my influences will only take him so far. I'm sure I want Plex to end up a copy of me, if you take my meaning. I do, Vander. I'm certain I could pass many of the trappings of nobility and education to Plex, although I fear they will be of as little use to him as they appear to be to me. I feel that what you haven't said there is the very essence of what I would like Plex to understand. The cautionary tale in your words expresses the kind of deep thinking that maybe I am less adept in. I will teach him the sword and the way of swashbuckling. If you will teach him Ethics, Vander says, with a measure of disdain. Well, Vander, I'll be happy to try. I, As I say, fear I have a poor grip of ethics, although perhaps a poor grip of the right answer would, in a strange way, make a good ethics teacher. You're better than you know, I think, says Vander. But enough talk. I'll leave you to your drinking. And with that, Vander climbs to his feet and begins shuffling in the direction of the door. What a parental duo. Plex <laughs> is a lucky boy. <laughs> As Vander goes out, Augustus smiles to himself, because for all his self-deprecation, he's still someone who absorbs compliments like a sponge, and he didn't miss the compliments that Vander paid him there. So although on the outside he's he's playing the kind of broken man of no confidence, he's still so vain that he... His self-image has nonetheless increased today. <laughs> Augustus closes his eyes, feels the ship moving, the world moving around him, and wishes he was back at home in his own bed. So 
so you guys gather in the evening in the mess hall or the galley or whatever it is we're calling it this week for food prepared by it would have to be nozzle our new resident chef it's not great food he's he's not an expert at cooking bless him no experience whatsoever banda looks at his bowl ah soup mixed with chocolate some work to do with the chef but who knows and he slurps away eat it while it is hot Thank you, Nozzle. Whilst whilst eating, uh, Tok will say, apropos of nothing when there's a silence, um, I have prepared a list of names for our group from stories of Rojan. Would you like to consider? Vanda stops serving his soup. Yeah, Benny, Benny looks at Tok in a sort of slightly puzzled way and says, this morning we weren't a group at all and now we're... Uh, now we're permanently naming ourselves. I like it. It's uh, It feels like a positive step. What have you got, Tuck? I have suggestions from the stories of the Rojan, groups from histories. They would be the Interesting Times Gang, the Black Company, the Warriors, the Fellowship of Cantioch, the Green Storm, the SGC, the Forlorn Hope, Special Circumstances, the Free Navy, the Outer Provinces Alliance, the Clean Hands Gang, Vanguard's Bane, Sterling's Seven, and the Return of the Rojan. I would like to rule out the Clean Hands Gang. I just feel <laughs> like we don't need that to stay in people's minds. Let's not be too hasty. My vote would be for the Interesting Times Gang. I thought that had a nice ring to it. I would find that to be acceptable. The Clean Hands Gang was my own addition. It was not a Rojan group. It seemed to me, Tok, like it was potentially a humorous addition. Indeed. I have been attempting colloquialisms, humour. You're making a cracking job of it as well. Some fine choices there, Vanda says. Worthy of consideration. But maybe we should think on this. Indeed. Consideration. Time to think. This feels appropriate. Look at you to agree in. Warms the heart, doesn't it? Warms the heart like this lovely chocolatey soup. Let's have a look at that map, Tok, and see if we can work out where we might recommend the Haveners go. Tok will spread the map out of uh, of the Moonshadow Mountains on the table. Give me a nature check. Ten. Twenty-two on nature Eight. for me. <laughs> 26, and Tok will guide himself for 27. <laughs> it just felt like you were just trumping him there. Tok becomes one with nature and disappears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually sure if Augustus is in the room, but if he is, he rolled a natural one for four, so <laughs> he might slope off back to bed. Um, okay, so whilst whilst Tok has a great understanding of nature, uh, he's going to be more assisting uh, Vanda because human settlements are not something he knows much about. The two of you working in beautiful tandem with one another are able to identify a perfect spot for a small human settlement in the foothills to the north of the Moonshadow Mountains. The only potential downside is that it's very close to the beginnings of the area known as Roanoke. Only one chance of total destruction there? A perfect spot, or at least the least terribly dangerous we can find, Vanda says happily, pointing at the point on the map. Indeed, the presence should dissuade the Shadow Vanguard and 
Empire passes by. I think we might need to give a bit of consideration as to how the Shadow Vanguard found him in the first place. But yeah, first things first, let's get him relocated and then we can get on with that. Gentlemen, I fear we approach our destination and it may be worth returning to the deck to make sure we have our eyes about us. That's all right. I've got eyes on deck. How very interesting. I assume we refer to your raven friend. Yeah, that's the one. You see through his eyes? Ah, I can do, yeah. When the, uh, when needed. It's good, isn't it? Certainly extremely useful, Benny. Hmm, extremely useful. This is a feature of the Rojan founder? Difficult to say. Benny has been so very secretive about his evolution. And you do hate secrets, don't you? Animal companions, pets, are in the stories of the Rojan. Is that right? They are. But I only hate other people's secrets, Benny. It's starting to feel a bit like Augustus is an animal companion here, like a friendly (laughs) dog among three increasingly powerful wizards. (laughs) The The thing you'll find, Vander, is when you insist on keeping all your secrets but knowing everyone else's, other people get a little bit resistant to that. Yes, I have noticed that. It's a difficult trait to shake, though. I suppose if other people have enough secrets that you want to find out about, maybe that will encourage you to be more sharing in the future. I rather think the question will end up being who is the better secret keeper, but time will tell who's right. Then he looks off into the distance and says, as if just if it's, as if it's just a passing thought or not something he's been thinking about all day, just think, if you just told people how you got the sterling and the history of that a few days ago, or is it even weeks now, when we first asked, none of the hassle of today need have occurred. I don't tend to wear the death of my friends on my sleeve. Fair enough. Just making a point that secrets aren't always helpful. Um, you see Tok out of the corner of your eye, Vanda, staring at your sleeve. <laughs> Bless all the gods who look over you, Tok. Your life will be long and hard. He's not just for clarity, Tok. He's not telling you what to do or what's going to happen. He's not. He's not promising your life is going to be long and hard. Oh no! Yeah, we're close to another contract. It's not a contract. <laughs> Those of you who are in attendance, obviously not Augustus, who's gone off to have a lay down and a drink. The rest of you head up to the deck of the Sterling as it begins to descend from the azure skies as Haven comes into view. The work they've achieved already is a testament to their ingenuity and teamwork. They're working in perfect unison. I feel like we're exactly what they don't need right now. I was going to say, all things being fair, we would observe their well-ordered society and decide that we should leave it alone and that's the best gift we could give them. Or we could shower them with our falling corpses (laughs) is the other option. (laughs) (laughs) We just power past at full speed and all they hear is loads of yelling as everyone argues with each other. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was like them. A... No, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> you scud into the hillside. Like a carload of kids on a family holiday. They just go past everyone shouting at each other and just, <laughs> just disappear around the corner. All they hear is, it's an abusive circle of friends. <laughs> <laughs> if only we'd never met these lovely people. <laughs> Their lives would have been idyllic. The Sterling descends and with a gentle sigh touches down in the heart of the new village of Haven. The people stop what they're doing and begin to gather around as you hear the familiar sound of the bell ringing three times. Alara steps forward from the pack to greet you. Oh, uh, hello. Well, welcome back. Augustus, want to do a charisma? I think Augustus is too wrecked at this point. He may come out of his bed, I suppose, but he's, wow. definitely, not, he, he's definitely not leading on meet and greet. I mean, he, he literally jumped off an airborne <laughs> ship about 20 minutes ago. He had the ride of his life and it was a few hours ago. Get over yourself is what I'm saying. Doesn't like swimming, doesn't like <laughs> flying. <laughs> he doesn't like falling. <laughs> specifically, he doesn't like hitting the ground. Augustus, if you require medical attention, I have... Smelling salts available. <laughs> we do need to extricate those smelling salts from talk, don't we? I have an inexhaustible supply. <laughs> Augustus hurries away from the inexhaustible talk. They are a waste product. <laughs> <laughs> You're a waste product. <laughs> is Alara seeing this? I don't Alara know. Alara <laughs> is watching this and has like no idea what's As going on. Chases Augustus into the woods, <laughs> followed by vials of piss. I mean, inexhaustible vials of piss. <laughs> oh, um, it's, it's everything okay? Alara, uh, Vanda says, turning back to her. Oh, hello, Vanda. A pleasure to see you again. And you, welcome. This is Haven. This is our new home. Look, look at all we've managed to achieve in the last two weeks alone. Marvellous work, Vanda says, looking around. You seem like you're flourishing here, if I may say. Well, of course, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. Yes, Vanda says, seeming repulsed by the very sense of teamwork, apparently. I'm afraid we come bearing ill news, Elara. Oh, no. And as she says that, Isabella comes rushing past Ilara, completely ignoring everyone except for Benny, and throws herself into a big hug. Hi, Benny. Hi, hi uh, hello. How are you? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm doing all right, thank you. How are you? I've been learning to hunt. Come, come see, come see what I've, what I've hunted today. And she grabs you by the hand and tries to pull you towards the village. Um, uh, all, all right, um... Okay, I guess I guess I'm doing that then. Right, come on, Lenny, come on. <laughs> and Lenny barking follows behind you. As you can see, we're all great to see you, but you you have bad news, Vanda. To correct myself, apparently I'm the bearer of mixed news. What's going on? Apparently, young love. I'm afraid I must return to the sadder tidings I bring, though. Oh no, what is it? It is with sadness I tell you, Alara, that we have become aware of the possibility that your location is now known to the Empire. I fear that they may be en route here, and I'm deeply sorry to tell you that we may have to relocate. Oh, not again. I understand that is hard to hear. We do have supplies, and we are here to assist you in moving your location. Know that we are no happier to hear of the Empire's knowledge than you are. Uh, and how sure are you this time? 
Ah, Cato, Vanda says, racking his brains. How sure are you? Unfortunately, we have it on good authority, Cato. And what authority is that? None of your riddles, please. Are you familiar with the mayor of Slateholm? Charming lady. No. She has connections direct to the Shadow Vanguard themselves, and she's heard it directly from their lips that they have your location. I fear that you must take this news seriously and act upon it urgently. Another figure steps forward. And why are they after us? What have we done to the Empire? Quite frankly, you have resisted them. Who is this new person? It's a figure you recognise from the first time, but you never got his name. I was going to say, there's like a really new, really obvious Empire spy in their midst. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. E. Empire steps forward. Dual <laughs> <Do> man. <laughs> e. e. Empire. It's my name's Thrain Stoneforge. A pleasure to meet you, Thrain. And so, because we resisted them once, they are now chasing us. How do they have our information? Did you tell them? Have they tortured it out of you? I assure you that no one has tortured information out of me for some time. We are unclear as to how they became aware of your new location, but we are certain that they know. If we can find out how they've come across this information, we will, of course, move to sever that connection. But for the time being, I'm afraid we must face facts. And the facts are that you are in grave danger. Another figure steps forward. Someone you recognise again from the last time you were there. We have to believe them, don't don't we? They they helped us out before. They're not they wouldn't do this just as some kind of sick game, would they? And there's kind of murmuring of disagreement within the crowd. And then Alara says, Okay, everyone, um, I'm gonna speak to Vanda and his friends, um, and I will come up with a decision within the hour. The murmuring continues as she tries to take you aside, uh, Vanda. Okay. You're absolutely 100% sure. As certain as we can be, he says, in a quieter tone, so as not to further arouse the crowd. How, How long have we got? Can we take our supplies? And if we quickly take down all that we've built, can we can we bring that aboard? Every moment is a more risky business. I would suggest we leave within the day. Okay. I will I will speak to them. Um thank you for bringing this to us. Let's l- Alara. Talk. Hello, Talk. We have procured additional supplies. We have scouted a possible location for resettlement. That's great news. Thank you, Talk. Thank you both. Thank you all. You always look out for us and for that we are appreciative. All I'm thinking is it would be good to get the the wood that we've chopped and carved down into size for our buildings. It should be a fairly quick job if we all all hands to it. We can take them down and we can be off in the day. We will assist. Thank you, Tuck, as always. Time for me to have an uncomfortable conversation with the people of Haven. No one tells you about this, about the trials and pitfalls of leadership. And she takes a deep breath and seems to visibly steal herself. Best of luck to you, Alara. And she turns around and begins to address the crowd. Benny, uh, you have been dragged just further into the village of Haven. And Isabella pulls you up to a series of rabbits, which are laying gutted in a row. Look what I've done. Wow, that's <laughs> that's really something. What did you use? How did you do it? 
The bravest man I know uses a bow. So, so you know, I've been teaching myself how to use one. I see. You well, you seem to be an excellent shot. So, well done. How's it all going here in Haven so far? Oh, it's been so wonderful. Everyone here has put their front foot forward and gone with building. We're really happy here. Well, I'm, I'm glad it's what you're good at. Anyway, because, uh, yeah, I'm afraid I think you're going to need to do it again. Oh, no, why'd you say that? We, um, we, we've had word that the, um, the Empire know where you are, and there's Shadow Vanguard on the way, so we've, uh, we've come to move you, I'm afraid. Oh, I mean, how do they know where we are? That's, that's what we haven't worked out yet, but we've not had time to look into it, so job one was coming here, getting you to a, a safe spot, then job two is going to be finding out how they knew. I bet it's a spy. Really? What, here in Haven? That Thrain, I've never trusted him. Right. He was always doing weird things in the old Haven. He's never really fit in. I mean, I don't like to judge people, of course. you got to stay open-minded. He's always sneaking off into the woods alone and saying he's going hunting, but he never comes back with anything. I mean, it's probably now. It's better not to suspect people. But I'll look into it on the quiet. Oh, you are wise. So, yeah, assume he's a good un, and I'll let you know if he isn't. Which house is Thrain's, by the way? That one. And she points over a couple of rows back from where you are. And when he goes into woods, what direction? He always heads off to the west. Okay. I'll, um, yeah, I'd better check this out straight away before we tell anyone where we're moving you to. So I'll be back. Can you point Thrain out to me? Do you know where he is? She looks back to the crowd and points close to where Vanda and... Elara and Tok are at the moment and points to Thrain. So you look like he's fairly engaged. He's he's doing his best to try and overhear what Elara is saying, and Elara has just turned and is beginning to speak to the crowd. So yeah, I would like to take myself off into a quiet corner, get my good friend Missy on the scene, looking for any open windows or a chimney to go down. Missy circles over the hut, swooping down. Uh, and finds that not only is the front door open, but both windows to the side of the building are open also. It's a circular hut, like a kind of wood and mud combination construction. Benny tucked away, he um, inhabits Missy as she flies in and investigates for just any signs of anything you wouldn't expect, I think, in a, in a villager's hut. Give me an investigation check, please. Twenty. As Missy the Raven hops in through the open window hole, you find yourself a, a very sparsely decorated room. There's just a, a bed and what appears to be a roughly constructed toilet. Uh, and there is a chest which is open and has uh, stacks of neatly folded but quite rough looking clothes, mainly tan, handmade by the looks of it. As she begins to peck through towards the bottom of the chest, you see the familiar blue of a bounder's uniform. And we will end it there. Uh, just as a side note, those facts were all fantastic. 
you bastards. Relief, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for grouping mine in with the others there. It, well, it needed it, for God's sake, otherwise it would have been too sad to continue. Like, we're near on the plotline of Watership Down by the end there. So. Yeah. People cared about the rabbits, though. <laughs> we're watership down, but where you don't care about rabbits. <laughs> You're just sort of relieved. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon or on Apple Podcasts, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Rules, where the gang look back over previous chapters of the Dice Company story. Don't forget... You can find us on our socials at Dice Company on Blue Sky, at Dice Company Pod on X, and at Dice Company Podcast everywhere else. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. Say hi, everybody! Hi! Come join us for thrilling adventures in time and space with Anywhere But Now, a Doctor Who actual play podcast. A new Time Lord and a new TARDIS with new companions facing some very familiar foes of the Doctor Who universe and a bigger on the inside amount of chills along the way. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll hide behind the sofa! Anywhere But Now. Find us on Discord, Blue Sky, and wherever you get your podcasts. Consider it time well spent. Oh.